welcome to Deranged DeJore, the podcast that brings you to deranged lawyers who cover the deranged topics of the week. I'm Raven. I'm joined here by my co-host, Bisha. Yeah. And, uh, and we're here today. It is the, the 24th day of this year of our Lord Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where is she going with this? Our, our Lord who? <laughs> 24th day of our Lord Satan. Our Lord Satan. Uh, that it is. Yes. Yes. Uh, so do you have anything going on this week, Pisha? Um, you know, my last week was more exciting than this week. Um, it's oh, yeah? getting back to normal now, which is great. But last Friday, I had the pleasure of seeing Tom Segura, the comedian, hysterical. It was all new material. So, um, you know, I got to hear new jokes, plus some of the older stuff that we all know and love. I think probably... My favorite Tom Segura joke is anything with his mother where he's impersonating his mother's accent. Tommy, Tommy, I think I should have two gummies. <laughs> you I saw that. Joke, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, yes, right? Where I, his I, mom I saw takes the gummies and goes on a wild ride. <laughs> that's amazing. So Tom Segura, that's, that's really cool. That sounds like a great show. Um, did you know that they're is a serial killer on the loose that Tom Segura is hot on the trail for. Have you heard about this? I, I may have heard something, but you're going to have to yeah. fill me in. Well, there's a certain country singer that we know about that you would never expect. And we're not going to name any names. But the thing is that if you just trace the trail of his tour dates, you will find that there are a number of murders that are involved with it. So hashtag where's grandma Tom Segura is on it. He's very wise yeah. and very observant. So it doesn't surprise me that he's uncovered this murderer who we shall not yeah. name for legal reasons. Hashtag justice for whomever. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Oh, All of the victims awesome. well, of yeah, this, it, uh, you know, all of the victims of this country music star, which by the way, uh, there's, I bet you're sitting there going, is it Toby Keith? Is it Tim mm. McGraw? Is it Kenny Garth Chesney? Brooks? Like there's a, and Kenny Chesney. There's any Jason Aldean. I'm pretty sure all of these guys have committed murder at one point. So I, you're not pretty much. Off. If you are a country singer, I'm pretty sure you committed murder. Yeah. Look at them. Sorry. Who's chick? Who I can't remember. I'm sorry. This is so rude. They're and all I do blonde. Carrie, Carrie something. Oh, who like Carrie Underwood talks about? Yeah, like don't sing about your crimes first of all, but like you know, um, <laughs> but also more power to you because uh, I would slash the tire of some of my ex's cars. I'm not gonna lie. Certainly, I wonder if that counts <laughs> as a confession though in court. Right. I mean, I <laughs> I should be saying. Do not ever talk about the crimes that you are about to commit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but do not take legal advice from me because you know, do not take any yeah. advice from me. This Don't is take not any advice. advice from us ever for any reason ever, even yeah. if there's That's, a fire. I think I've said this Actually, before. like legitimately on my, my PowerPoint for this week, uh, we, obviously we, we create PowerPoints to try and uh, create outlines for what we're talking about, which is not surprisingly the serial killers of whatever country singer we're talking about 
But my, uh, my, my caveat for my PowerPoint this week is nothing contained in this PowerPoint or podcast is intended to be legal advice for anyone ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did not put a disclaimer, but also I'm just going over civil things in states that I don't think we have listeners from. So no, that we don't. But, Not that I but know. I of, at know least. that I regularly tell people to never take my advice and to seek independent Do counsel not. when they come to me for any reason. Yes, that's that's my advice as well. So, but we we do have a topic to cover. It is relevant to today's current events. Uh, everybody's been talking about this for the past few weeks. I've been dying to talk about this, you know, since the release. So, what are we talking about today, Pisha? amazing (laughs) hey you said it it was your idea i just i know but i forgot (laughs) you executed it very well (laughs) that's my adhd brain i was like yeah let's do this and i forgot so (laughs) well hey i got you girl so um yeah we're talking about uh gypsy rose blanchard who sounds exactly like our voice changers yes yeah and oh so tell me yeah i'm the one starting <laughs> why are you just sitting there like what you <laughs> okay i'm starting us off everyone um it is i pisha derangers starting you on gypsy rose and i'm cutting all this out don't worry i'm opening take, up my take us on this journey pisha <laughs> on this journey okay so gypsy rose blanchard you've probably heard the name so much recently and you're wondering where this name has come from how you know this person and i just if you pull back in your mind little bald girl in a wheelchair you're gonna remember remember. because it came up in the news so much so when all of this was really going down we can't really talk about Gypsy Rose Blanchard without first talking about Dee Dee Blanchard, her mother. Dee Dee was born Claudine Pitter, Pitter, Petri, 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 like the, it, uh, I was going to say Triceratops. That's wrong. What, that's wrong. What was, the, the Land Before Time. The flying you know, one. The, we, the pterodactyl. The flying one. Pterodactyl. There we go. There we go. We it. Yeah. yeah. So it, it looks spelled like that, but um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's pronounced that way based on the documentaries I heard. So I'm just going to butcher it. it. Uh, this lady was insane anyway, so I kind of feel like she deserves it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> she was born in 1967 in Louisiana. She was described by her own family as a very filthy person who frequently stole from them and retaliated against them when things didn't go her way. Her family alleged she was responsible for her mother, Emma's death by denying her food. But I saw pictures of Emma and it didn't look like she was denied any meals ever. So I don't <laughs> Doesn't know. Doesn't really where look like Dee either. I'm not going to lie. Right. <laughs> Dee Dee had not skipped any meals either. So I no. don't know where this theory came from. I don't think there's any sort of autopsy or coroner's report that states she was dead as a result of neglect or 
starvation. You know what I mean? So it's a very weird it, allegation. They seem to just really hate Dee Dee. Um, she also suspectedly poisoned her stepmother a little later. We'll talk about that more, but she's not right. great. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty murderous. Um, she met a gentleman named Rod Blanchard, who was Great only name. 17 years old at the oh, time. How old was she? 24. Whew. All L- right. A little bit of a cougar. Little Cradle bit of robber. a cougar. Um, I, I didn't look into the age of consent in Louisiana, but I'm sure it's younger than 17. So there's no issue of statutory rape or anything like that going on here. But they met at a bowling alley in mid-1990, and Dee Dee was pregnant. What? I said, hold on. A bowling alley? Yeah. A bowling alley. How do you meet in a bowling alley? Well, I mean, where do 17-year-old Louisiana kids hang out besides the swamp? Like poking alligators and stuff. That may be a better story, but okay, bowling. <laughs> right? That would have been <laughs> great. Where'd you guys meet? We met poking alligators in the swamp. <laughs> we met at a bowling alley. Um, at this time, Dee Dee had, ha- had, she was hot. She actually looked pretty hot at this time. So I could see how poor, young, impressionable 17-year-old Rod was... My oh. first boyfriend was also named Rod. Rod? Did you know this about me? Yeah, I didn't Rodney, know this yes. about you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rodney? Mm-hmm. My first like boyfriend. Like Rodney Dangerfield? Yeah, actually, my first boyfriend was Rodney Dangerfield. And I'm about I to was a little mad now. you didn't tell me until now. <laughs> I've discovered I have no secret. idea how old he would have been when I was, like, what, 16, but... You know. I'm going to say he was dead. <laughs> Probably. Wait, no, he was baby alive. I don't know. Wow. Okay. So you've dated Rod. Did you have a baby with him mm-hmm. also within weeks? Fortunately not. Oh, okay. Well, but that's good only for because you. I never wanted them. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know if any of these people wanted them, but they got it. They got a baby. Rod and Dee Dee got a baby within, she was pregnant within weeks of them dating. And he, in the documentary was like, well, I mean, it was Louisiana and I got someone pregnant. You marry them. And within months, he was like, I've made a terrible mistake. And poor 17 they, year old Rod. I know, poor guy. Like, you know, I, when I first heard this story, I was pretty hard on Rod until I learned more about him. And he was a baby in his own right. And in the 17. most. Yeah, the most culpable person here, really, believe it or not, out of all these people, is Dee Dee. So um, I just, it's it's kind of wild because, you know, spoiler alert, she ends up being the victim. Um, but moving right along, Dee Dee gets pregnant with Gypsy Rose within weeks. They get married. But before Gypsy Rose is born on July 27th, 1991 in Golden Meadow, Louisiana. She's a Leo. Um, Aww. And also 1991 for sure, right? Oh, yeah. 91 for sure. Um, Because there was some question about this later, and we'll talk about this more in uh, in a minute. But she, she was born in July, and by the time she was born, 
uh, Rod and Dee Dee had separated. Rod remarried and had a new family. He's still with this woman, Christy, who is a wonderful stepmother to Gypsy Rose, apparently. Then yeah, Dee Dee and yeah, she seems really put together and um, rational and reasonable and empathetic to what it's like to be a victim. We'll talk more about this, of course, as we learn more about Gypsy. Dee Dee and Gypsy ended up moving in with Dee Dee's father and stepmother. This is when the poisoning attempt took place. So, um, uh, okay. And I'm, I'm not sure when exactly, but it was sometime after 92 and sometime before 2005 when they relocate. So this is why Gypsy Rose is so famous. This is why you've probably heard of her to Rangers. As early as three months old, Gypsy alleged health problems began with Dee Dee's unfounded claims of sleep apnea, seizures, leukemia, muscular dystrophy, some unspecified chromosomal disorder. Um, she had a feeding tube put in. She was put into a wheelchair and told she couldn't walk. She was given a breathing machine to use while sleeping. Despite None of these conditions being actually diagnosed. Anytime Dee Dee took Gypsy into the hospital, doctors never confirmed any of these um, conditions. So, so she, as you'll hear, is a, a victim of a mental illness called Munchausen's by proxy. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But she, Gypsy Rose was pulled out of school in kindergarten. She was supposedly homeschooled by Dee Dee through the second grade. But I, I don't think so. Like, Not I just like, don't see her following through with that. Sure. Um, but like, wrong kind of schooling, for sure. Right. And Dee Dee pulled Gypsy out of school because she claimed her health was so bad that she needed constant supervision, constant assistance. And that's why she was homeschooled. I don't know why she stopped homeschooling. Um, but she gave up at some point and Gypsy says today that she only has about a second grade education. Hurricane Katrina fucked some shit up and Dee Dee and Gypsy moved to Aurora, Missouri they relocated at that time because everything they had supposedly was wiped out by the hurricane. Rod attempted to stay in regular contact with Gypsy until she moved in 2005. I still have a little bit of a problem with the fact that he wasn't present for all of these doctor visits and stuff. Keeping in mind, of course, that he was young and he was manipulated by Dee Dee as well. But if someone told me that my child had terminal illnesses and required all of this medical treatment, I would be wanting to attend the appointments so that I had a clear idea of what my child's treatment and prognosis and everything was. And he just kind of took Dee Dee's word at face value. He's just like, okay, she has muscular dystrophy. And he paid child support though, right? 
He did, yes. $1,200, which I thought was kind of low for someone who supposedly required so much medical um, supervision um, and well, treatment. What did he but do as a career? Do you know? I'm pretty sure he was some kind of contractor. Okay. So he may not have made a whole lot of money. And this is 2005 money, right? Yeah, this is 2005 money, so it doesn't really count. (laughs) Money doesn't mean anything, really. No, Um, I mean, it's about to not at all. (laughs) Right? Can we go back to trading goats? That would be pretty cool. I think Um, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's something we should be excited about. It basically means the fall of society, but whatever. Like I said, I have a little little bit of a problem with Rod taking all of this at face value. I feel like maybe if he had been present during all this time, he could have been someone to flag some of the bizarre behavior from Dee Dee. So um, things get increasingly fucked up from this point. Uh, Gypsy could walk. She absolutely could walk. She went into doctors and doctors were like, hey, for someone who is in a wheelchair all the time, we expect to see a lot of muscle atrophy. Um, And there was none. She had completely normal leg muscles and they're like, "Um, are you sure you can't walk? And she's like, no, totally can't walk. Totally. But meanwhile, Dee Dee's holding her hand, squeezing it, making her say everything that um, falls in line with Dee Dee's plan. Uh, she, you know, Gypsy didn't need any of these surgeries or these medications. She wasn't actually bald from cancer treatment. Dee Dee shaved her head. So Gypsy, in a way, was involved in this ruse, but you got to think this was a child who had only known abuse from the moment she was born and and this way of treatment from her mother. And especially with the things like cancer, muscular dystrophy, things you can't see. Gypsy says in a lot of her interviews that every time she went into the doctor, she thought she was literally dying because she couldn't tell she couldn't see inside her veins to see whether or not she actually had cancer her mom was feeding her this stuff and she believed it because she was a kid and why wouldn't she right you trust what your parents say like i didn't want to go to the dentist like half the time but of course i believe that my you know my parents wanted what was best for me when they took me to the dentist so i can only imagine for her as painful as it was she believed her her mom and how awful to think that you're dying your entire life when you're not. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, yeah, it's I think a lot of people when they hear this story, they put a lot of accountability on Gypsy without really fully recognizing her status as a victim and what that does to your behavior. Um, you know, it's so easy for people to just be like, oh, she's weird. I knew she was weird. Therefore she murdered. Therefore she's responsible. But if you were to just sit for a second, open your eyes and look at the situation. And when viewed through the lens of a victim, this is someone who was abused from day one, didn't know any differently, was told how to feel, what to feel, probably didn't have any sense of what was normal. So to put this much accountability on someone who had 
no sense of right and wrong and what was normal and socially acceptable, especially a child. I know that when this crime takes place, she's not a child, but I would argue that she was kept in a state of perpetual childhood by her mother. So, right. um, well, you know, she, she wasn't a child, but she believed that she was because of her mom. Right. Like that was the other part right. of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Earlier, you had said, are we sure she was born in 1991? And I appreciate that comment because Gypsy had no idea when she was born. She, she, and we'll talk about this in a second. So, so first of all, experts believe Dee Dee's behavior was evidence of a mental illness called factitious disorder imposed on another, which is a very fancy way of saying Munchausen syndrome by proxy. That is basically where someone else either fakes, exaggerates, malingers, whatever, some, someone else's health and well-being and well-being and sickness in order to attract some kind of attention or something. Usually it gives them some sort of power or caretaking fulfillment, um, nurturing fulfillment. So um, she was taking care of her child. She constantly was taking care of her child. Um, and, and that's what she wanted. She wanted to keep her child in a state where she couldn't leave. She couldn't be an independent healthy adult because then she wouldn't need her anymore and she wouldn't be there to nurture and caretake for her. So um, a neurologist of gypsies suspected that Didi had this syndrome uh, when Gypsy was about 14 years old, but he didn't report it because he didn't think he had enough evidence. We're going to talk about some of the civil liability and possible medical malpractice claims Gypsy has later, but just remember this for then because there was a lot of failure to report on the side of the doctors when there was pretty clear evidence that Dee Dee uh, had Munchausen syndrome by proxy and, um, and that Gypsy was the proxy. So whenever doctors or family would question Dee Dee about her treatment of Gypsy, she would pick up and move or find a new doctor. She claimed Gypsy's birth certificate and all of her medical records were destroyed. She used Hurricane Katrina as a very convenient uh, excuse for why the records were destroyed. And She therefore made herself the sole gatekeeper to all of Gypsy's health history. So she ended up getting Gypsy's salivary glands removed in Louisiana, but there was no record that they were removed in Missouri. And there was, and we couldn't find it. So it's just, it it was wild. She was able to keep this ruse up by doctor shopping and with this like brilliant charisma she apparently had. So, I mean, it's just, I, I, I know that the whole idea of as soon as someone is confronted with it, that's sy- symptomatic of Munchausen by proxy. So it's really interesting that all of these things were lining up, but I think it's, it's something that's at least from my limited knowledge, seems like it's not something that's really well known or talked about in the medical profession as something to watch out for. 
No, that's for sure. There's not a huge amount of consensus on how it manifests and what the right reporting process is. So it does seem to fall through the cracks a lot. It's not a super common disorder, though. So that's kind of the good news, I guess. But this is what happens when we don't catch this kind of behavior and flag it and treat it. We're going to see Gypsy's birth certificate was supposedly destroyed. Dee Dee would constantly be changing Gypsy's age for whatever reason. Sometimes so that she could get... um, the less expensive ticket price for the child, <laughs> um, you know, tickets as opposed to the full price adults. She So she was changing her age all the time for whatever reason she wanted. And Gypsy had no idea how old she was. And so that's why when you were like, are we sure she was born in 91? Yeah, we're, we're pretty certain she was born in 91. But Dee Dee has said that she was born in 93. She was born in 95. Um, basically, whatever, whatever suits her need. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in 2008, Habitat for Humanity, I almost called it Habitat Against Humanity <laughs> because I played cards against humanity too many times. <laughs> but um, that sounds like a bad nonprofit, Habitat yeah, Against Humanity. One. Yeah. Yeah, So this is the good one. This is Habitat for Humanity. In 2008, they actually built Dee Dee and Gypsy a house in Springfield, Missouri. Based on the, yeah, based on the pretext that she has all of these illnesses and some of which are terminal. They also accepted. The Mojo Dojo Casa House? Yeah, the Mojo Dojo Casa house was built for them. And it was pink, too. It was a pink house. It had this big wheelchair ramp. They spared no expense on this house. And there's news footage of Gypsy and Dee Dee accepting the home from Habitat uh, for Humanity. The whole neighborhood is there and cheering them. And they're just accepting it. Accepting this house, and Gypsy had no idea what's going on. She's just oblivious. But Dee Dee, like, come on, lady. Um, how she never thought she'd get found out, I don't understand. But they also accepted charity-funded concert tickets to, like, Miranda Lambert or some other country. Hey, not our murderer. Not our murderer, but a different country. Harry so. Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they they also accepted a Make a Wish Foundation sponsored trip to Walt Disney World. So they were packing in all the benefits based on Gypsy's fabricated illnesses. In 2009, two social workers visited Gypsy's home after n- anonymous allegations that. Dee Dee was fabricating her illnesses and abusing her essentially. Um, but I guess, I guess Dee Dee was a nurse's aide or something in a previous life when she was able to hold a job down. 
and she w- she learned the right lingo and she learned the ways to talk to these medical professionals to get them to believe her and to take her wor- word because nothing happened in 2009. Those two social workers turned around and left. Nothing happened. Gypsy was very clearly being told to stay in a wheelchair and pretend she couldn't walk. It's it's ridiculous. So any sort of basic investigation would have revealed this stuff, but Dee Dee was able to avoid it. And in 2011, Gypsy actually attempted to run away from Dee Dee at a sci-fi convention. She, so 2011, you know, how old was she at that point? Oh, shoot. So she was 20. But I wow. think... Be- she was 20, but she thought she was only 17, I think, or 18. So she, she did not know she was as old as she was. So literally like her mom is like, is holding her hostage at this point because she's over 18 over the age of consent because literally she has her as a hostage. That's awful. Absolutely. She does. And I mean, she has kept this, young woman in a state of oblivious just her head is in the sand she doesn't even know how old she is she doesn't know her rights she doesn't know that she can get up and walk away whether or not her mom finds her again supposedly after she attempted to run away at the sci-fi convention her mother tracked her down found her and then smashed her computer and i think she had a burner phone that she had bought to use to communicate with the outside world and she destroyed that too and in my head i was thinking wow that would work for a child that kind of punishment would work for a child but for a 20 year old woman she would have just been like screw this i'm an adult i can walk out of this but this tells you how brainwashed gypsy was she didn't even realize she had the ability and the right and the capability to stand up out of that wheelchair, walk out of that house and walk away from her mother forever. She, she didn't real. God, it's just like, yeah, I I don't know. Everything about this case is like just horrifying. uh, Anyway, sorry. Keep going. Yeah. It's really terrible. What Dee Dee did to gypsy. Um, You're going to get into kind of what happens next. Uh, but it's, it's, I can't believe that this, you know, over 18 year old girl at this point, woman, this woman was being held hostage by her mother. Her mother is keeping her in under her thumb where I know you mentioned this, but like was, had like strapped her to the bed, basically according to, to Gypsy. And there's no real reason to doubt this for like two weeks and like had just basically kidnapped her own daughter and was abusing her this entire time. So, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine being in that position, but I know that Gypsy was clever as she had to be, to be able to get into the outside world. So I know that, you know, she didn't have any outlet to date or to even really have friends. Like she had like maybe a handful of friends And I think that she's pretty affable as a young girl and really wanted to have friends, but she was really like into Disney princesses and had this kind of like romantic ideology about the world. And so she really fell into this trope of, you know, 
once you find the guy, you'll live happily ever after. And that's what she thought uh, when she met Nicholas Godijohn. So Nicholas Godijohn and Gypsy met online. They met around October 2012 when Gypsy Rose was 24 years old. She used a smuggled laptop and on uh, Christian Dating for Free. Uh, <laughs> sounds like the best website, honestly. For free? You mean they charge <laughs> for, for that free. shit? <laughs> I don't. I don't know anything about like Chris, Christian Mingle. Is that the other one? Like, who knows? But I guess, anyways, just, yeah. But for free, she met Nicholas Godijohn, who was twenty six years old. For free, <laughs> at twenty six year old, twenty six years old, October two thousand twelve. That's how this started. Immediately began dating. They were only online at the time. So as lawyers, you know what that means. 100% receipts. So Receipts. Every- we brought them. Evidence, yeah. bro. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly what you advise people on a day-to-day basis not to do. Do not Absolutely. put anything into text messages, emails, anything written whatsoever. Napkins, blood, I don't care. Do not ever Smoke write anything down. Smoke signals might be okay as long as you're not like video recording the smoke signals. Exactly. Because no then receipts. it's just hearsay. That's correct. Smoke signals equals hearsay. I love that. I know you. <laughs> so they began dating online. This is her first like real boyfriend. And so this is like, so October, 2012 to March, 2015, they never met in person, but they had met a, made a plan to meet at the movie Cinderella, which was the live action at the time. And this was in Springfield, Missouri, where Gypsy and her mom lived. Nick, our boy Nick lived in Wisconsin, eight and a half hours away. So March of 2015, Gypsy and Nick made this plan to meet at Cinderella, the live action that I was mentioning before. And this was known as plan A at the time. And what their plan was, was to have Nick meet uh, Gypsy's mom, Dee Dee, in a legitimate way so that it could be that they would be allowed to date because Gypsy at 24 years old was not allowed to date and was never going to be allowed to date. She was trapped. And so she thought in her brain that if she could just have her mom who was her best friend, honestly, like, I mean, that's the thing that I don't know. I think that just gets unmentioned a lot of the times is that Gypsy loved her mom, like completely adored her mom. The only person that was there for her really, but in the worst way. And because she was being isolated by her mom from other people. I, I was looking into some of the psychology of the proxy in a relationship with someone who has Munchausen's by proxy. And a lot of the times they're in denial. They think that it's love. This is their, mm-hmm. their person's way of showing love and affection. And so they accept this treatment and it creates almost like a trauma bond that you would get in any other abusive situation, especially with children where they actually attach to their abuser. So 
I I kind of got sick to my stomach when I was watching some of the docuseries on Gypsy Rose. Whenever she'd talk about, oh, my mom was my best friend. I loved my mom. She she was the only person there for me. And I got sick to my stomach because I was like, well, yeah, because she ensured that she was the only person there for you. It yeah, was the product absolutely. of abuse. So um, I just think it's really fascinating to hear how Gypsy still to this day talks about how much she loves her mom. She misses her mom and how she never really wanted her dead. She just wanted no. to escape. She wanted to have a life. So, yeah. So anyway, so this was plan A. Plan A failed. Uh, they actually had a plan B. And their plan B, which I think is maybe the funniest thing uh, and cute, like honestly kind of cute. Their plan B it's a was cute the opposite plan B. of actual plan B. <laughs> their plan B was <laughs> the opposite of actual plan B. <laughs> it was. Their plan B was to get her pregnant. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah. then it would take her out of the house from her mother. Exactly. Exactly. In so theory. That he would have to be in, in their life. And so their plan B was the opposite of plan B, like I said. So and plan C was the, you know, the ultimate thing that, that ended up happening in this case. So, but it was, plan it C was, the plan was of third time's a charm, if you know what I mean. <laughs> exactly. Right. So let's talk about plan C. So um, Nick told Gypsy that his mom would not allow them to go through with plan B of her getting pregnant. So you get a little feel for how a uh, little Nick go to John was as well. Nick Godijan was autistic and he was also living with his parents at the time that they met. So he's 26 years old and his mom says that he can't get his girlfriend pregnant as plan B. So anyway, um, part of Nick's tick, I guess, was that he had multiple alter egos. He claimed that he had multiple personality disorder, which I think the science is out on that. I don't think it's real. Um, but there are, you know, different variations. There's actually a few cases that may be multiple personality disorders, but it really has to do with like some pretty severe trauma that people undergo. And right. it's I not think they call it disassociative. I, right. I think yes. they call it yes. disassociative identity disorder now because, exactly. um, it accepts the trauma creation versus the multiple personality disorder, which was, kind of uh thought to be inherent in the person who was born that way and like you said the science is out multiple personality disorder does not exist no one's born with it that is schizophrenia right <laughs> if you're hearing voices and <laughs> you're seeing hallucinations and stuff like that that's schizophrenia that's not um multiple personality disorder multiple that is now disassociative identity disorder which is trauma-based so that was my little exactly. two cents based on yeah, my yeah. favorite autobiography called First Person Plural by a person who had what was once called multiple personality disorder. Oh, all right. I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. It's really good. So anyway, one of, one of the alter egos that Nick claimed was this 500-year-old vampire whom he called Victor. And he also may have potentially been in love with himself this uh, this particular alter ego anyway it was kind of weird um so gypsy you know not really having any kind of basis or 
you know, um, baseline of what relationships look like created her own versions of alter egos that that would match Nick's. So they would have video chats and she would put on wigs. And one of the wigs that she would put on was, was Ruby and Ruby was matched with Victor. So they were like both the two evil versions of themselves. Like a side note is that there was another, um, I can't remember the name that she gave this alter ego, but it was basically like half a werewolf, which I thought was super cool. I was like, at a girl, like, that's awesome. So anyway, Nick claims now that if he had not been Victor at the time that Gypsy approached him, that he would not have done the things that he did. But uh, he was pretty eager about it anyway. So eager. um, Eager beaver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we'll get to this later. There's people who say that, you know, he tried to back out of it. That's actually not true. Like, at least from what I can tell from both Gypsy and from Nick's own versions of the story, it seems like Gypsy tried to back out and Nick was like, oh no, we're going through with this. So anyway, that's my rendition of that. Um, So Gypsy had actually paid for Nick to come out the first time that he came out to go see Cinderella with her mom. I think it was something like $400 or something like that for like an eight and a half hour bus ride. Sounds How did she pay for this? So she would steal money from her mom. She like, she gathered cash. She put it in an envelope and she mailed it to Nick uh, over in Wisconsin, 2015. The year we graduated law school. Can you believe that? Anyway. Um, so yeah, so that's how she was, uh, sending money back to Wisconsin for him to come and visit her. So, uh, she paid for him in June of 2015 to go from his town of Big Bend, Wisconsin to Springfield, Missouri to get a hotel for the two of them. She then went and stole a knife from Walmart to complete the act. They had contemplated some other ideas of how to go through with this and they had multiple conversations about this and like i said receipts there's so many receipts like everything was on facebook messenger and on text messaging so yeah they they really weren't very subtle when purchasing their murder kit and stealing it from walmart you know they could have used one of us (laughs) at the time that they were (laughs) some advice that they really shouldn't take to be honest yeah i mean to not commit the murders. That was the point. Like, I'm not telling them how to commit the murder. I'm saying, like, probably shouldn't do that. But also if probably you're going shouldn't. To, right. Don't. You're going to get caught if you do this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Nick went to the house. Uh, Gypsy stayed in the bathroom because she was afraid of blood. And she didn't want to have anything to do with it. She held her uh, hands over her uh, ears. Then Nick went to Dee Dee's bedroom and stabbed her 17 times he claims in his uh, interrogation that he only stabbed her four times and that's because he saw the other 13 times as just little like cuts like he didn't he saw the ones that hit her organs which is like kind of the most horrifying part of this he thinks that he hit her lungs he thinks that he hit other vital organs and he calls those stabs and the other ones are cuts so you know, there's some things that are go- like on the interwebs, which you could never believe, that said like, oh, well, who cut her the other 13 times? Gypsy never cut her mom, like never stabbed her mom, like never touched the knife. 
that was involved in this. She did not touch that murder weapon. And both of them are very clear about this. They both did uh, interrogations after the fact. So he stabbed her 17 times. Her DD is calling out to Gypsy at this time. It's probably like really traumatizing. I can't even imagine. Um, But at the same time, Gypsy had never been allowed to shave either her legs or her pubic area or anything. Um, She had actually had sex with Nick before. They had sex in the bathroom at Cinderella. So she was not a virgin at that time. I can't imagine it was good. (laughs) Poor thing. Cinderella sex? Oh, yeah, in a bathroom. And she was actually was dressed at, as Cinderella at the time as well. She would cosplay okay. as different princesses. Okay, yeah. maybe it wasn't bad sex. Romantic. <laughs> Romance is not good. <laughs> yeah, it's very, you know. Anyway. Fairy tale. So they had a code to um, know that it was going to be Nick coming into the bathroom because Gypsy actually didn't believe that Nick could kill her mom she thought her mom was so powerful and this probably actually kind of corroborates her story that when she was you know tried to escape the first time that she was chained to the bed she really saw her mom as someone being super powerful so they had this code where they would knock three times and then scratch twice and that was how she would know that it was nick and not her mom so after the act uh, Nick had Gypsy clean him up, and that was kind of like a sexual gratification thing, which is kind of gross. Uh, and then she did that naked, and then they had sex in her bed. And then Nick called a cab, and they left in that cab and went to the Days Inn in Springfield while they were awaiting the bus to get back to his parents' house in Wisconsin. How you not commit a murder from here on out. So bear this in mind if you're thinking of doing something similar. This is not legal advice. I'm just, you know, mentioning this as a thing. Um, Gypsy became anxious after a few days. They were staying with Nick's parents in uh, in Wisconsin. And she really wanted her mom to be found, which is really kind of heartbreaking. She was getting anxious that no one was going to be able to find her. And she wanted her mom to be buried. So she went on to their Facebook page from Nick's computer inside of his house and she typed that bitch is dead as a post on the facebook page that her mom and her shared together which just goes to show the level of like interdependency or codependence i guess that would not even interdependence codependence that her mom and her shared and that was actually kind of an homage to Nick, who says, and he probably told her this, I would imagine, that there was a devil and an angel on his shoulder, and the devil was someone who said, that bitch is dead, and that's what made him kill her and go through with with their plan C. So it took the authorities after that, like, a day to find them, and the fact that they mailed the murder weapon from Gypsy's house using Gypsy's handwriting to Nick's house uh, <laughs> probably kind of sealed the deal. So that's how not to come wow. out. <laughs> so, These are some uh, masterminds. Master manipulators. That's the thing. They're so smart. And yeah, and I'm going to get into that real hard. Uh, like, honestly, it reinforces 
how naive Gypsy was. This is, she was 24, right? And Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I definitely, if I were committing a murder, I'd be wondering how do I cover my steps, my tracks and everything like that. This never crossed her mind. In fact, she wanted her mother found. So it just, it really speaks to her Her lack of criminal. Yeah. Her naivete. And then also her Mm -hmm. lack of criminal intent. Absolutely. Yeah. 1000%. Absolutely. Once the authorities came, they uh, interrogated both of them. Nick was clearly very tired when he was interrogated. I actually listened to the whole two hour interrogation and he says multiple times how tired he is which is a really poor sign for a bad interrogation. Like they probably should have cut it off. They probably should have, you know, let him sleep it off or whatever. But once they have you in there, they don't want you out. And that's one thing that you've got to keep in mind. You never fucking talk to the police. Don't never, uh, never, 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 especially without an attorney present. Um, But you said the whole confession was only two hours. That seems kind of short in the grand scheme of, coerced or forced confessions although this one doesn't sound like it was very coerced or forced he seemed pretty willing to offer up the information yeah yeah and i mean they so the way that they coerced him actually was by using gypsy against him they claimed and here's the other thing the police can fucking lie to you and they do and they will every single time so do not trust anything that they say so they mirandized him they told him you know he has a right to an attorney all those things they did everything right But then they, you know, turned Gypsy against him and said, well, you must not love Gypsy that much because Gypsy has told us everything and you have told us nothing. And so, you know, if you love her, you're going to tell us the whole story. And he buys it. And the thing is, I actually, um, I used to work for a developmental disability arts program where I worked with people who had developmental disabilities and was able to hear them and and know kind of their affect and and all of those things. And so I listened to this and I was just like, oh my God, this guy, you know, he is severely autistic and he's severely delayed and he is delusional. He has no clue the process that he's going through. And he actually believes that he is the hero of the day and that he and Gypsy are gonna be together. So it's really just, it's, it's a really heartbreaking, you know, confession for me to hear all of this and like, And to me, you know, Gypsy, I think, has come out on top and I'm really happy for her for that. But I'm just completely devastated and heartbroken for Nagoda John in all of this because I think that he did something very terrible. Absolutely. But was he fully like mentally there? Was he not mentally, you know, diminished? Like, did he have a diminished capacity? I think so. And I think that this is very clear through his interrogation. So... Anyway, both of them ended up confessing and Gypsy does take credit for saying it was her idea and her plan, but Nick was the one who did all the actual murdering. So anyway, that kind of sealed the deal for both of them. And so I was curious, just kind of looking at this and I'm going to put, you know, another disclaimer out there. I am not a Missouri lawyer. I'm not licensed there. I know nothing about Missouri law. All I'm going to say is what the statutes actually say. So they were both charged with first degree murder and a person commits first degree murder. And this is actually pretty common to most states. I think Um, it says that a person commits the offense of murder in the first degree 
if he or she knowingly causes the death of another person after deliberation upon the matter. And that doesn't matter how long that deliberation is. It could be a minute. It could be a day. And what the prosecution in Nick Godijan's um, case said was that it had been over a year. They had been talking about this for over a year. So the offensive first-degree murder in Missouri carries uh, the punishment of either death or imprisonment uh, for life without the eligibility for parole. We'll talk about that later for probation or parole, I should say, uh, except by act of the governor, which would be clemency or pardon. So then the lesser included offense, which means that if they can't prove first degree, they'll still go after second degree murder. And what that is, is a person commits the offense of murder in the second degree if she, he or she knowingly causes the death of another person with the purpose of causing serious physical injury to another person, causes the death of another person, or commits or attempts to commit any felony. So this would be what's called felony murder. Uh, and in the perpetration or the attempted perpetration of the felony or in the flight from the perpetration or attempted as a such lawyer talk, I'm sorry. <laughs> I probably should have cut it, that down a little bit, but perpetration of such felony. Just wait until you see my statutes on MedMal. You won't feel so bad. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm just going to sit back. I'll probably fall asleep. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I know. It's really riveting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So the, the long and the short of it is if someone's killed while you were committing a felony, that's second degree murder in Missouri. And the consequences of second degree murder, it's still a class A felony, but the punishment for second degree murder is in addition to the punishment of the related felony. So it's uh, in short, 10 to 30 years is um, that would be second degree murder. So there's also, so, Gypsy has said that there's no such thing as accessory to murder in Missouri. I didn't look too closely into that, but there is conspiracy. And uh, conspiracy is basically when um, a person with another person commits an offense with the purpose of promoting or facilitating its commission and agrees Anyway, that's that's such lawyer speak. If two people agree to commit a crime together, it's conspiracy. So it may not be accessory to conspiracy, or sorry, accessory to murder, but it, it certainly is conspiracy. And you know, our Missouri lawyers out there can tell us if accessory to murder is a thing. But it's an inchoate crime, and I assume that it exists in most states. I can't imagine that it doesn't, unless Missouri is just super special. So. And inchoate means just like attempt, you know, those kinds of like pre-crimes that, that don't pre-crimes. necessarily mean pre-crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Inchoate That's the means best pre-crimes. way to describe it. Like they didn't <laughs> happen yet. They're exactly pre-crimes. <laughs> pre-crimes. pre-crimes. Gypsy was, um, was charged with first degree murder and also maybe an armed criminal charge. I can't get onto any of their like, you know, dockets or anything like that. So I wasn't able to see what the charging instrument was, but it is a public instrument. So I assume, you know, it exists out there in the world. Um, But they decided not to pursue an insanity plea. That was a strategic decision on behalf of her lawyers. Instead, 
they went hard on the medical abuse that her mother had perpetrated against her. And they were actually able to uncover decades of abuse that Gypsy had suffered. And this is where this all started coming out because you'll remember when she first came out, she was not in a wheelchair and people were shocked because everyone saw her in one before. So um, she ended up taking a second degree murder plea and the district attorney said, when you look at this case, it's a murder and it's a first degree murder, but it's also one of those extraordinary and unusual cases that we have ever seen. A sentence was 10 years, which is the minimum sentence. And she would be eligible for parole at 85% or eight and a half years into that sentence. And then there was the case against Nick Godijohn. So Nick Godijohn didn't have a whole lot of money. And I should say this is all in the state of Missouri, although I think there were some potential implications for Louisiana. But in any case, um, Nick Godijohn had a public defender and they took kind of a different route. They didn't villainize Gypsy as they could have, but they definitely leaned hard on his autism. I was going to say autopsy. His, uh, not that he's dead now <laughs> anyway Surprise. they're still charging him yeah. he also had a very low iq which they found out he had an iq of 82 he was living with his mom and like i said he was just definitely autistic gypsy actually testified in nick's trial he, she testified for the defense she didn't testify for the prosecution so everyone's saying that she got a deal because you know the prosecution used her testimony against nick is actually wrong so she testified on his behalf, but really kind of giving context and really telling the story of why. And, you know, I don't know that his public defenders really thought that that was going to be effective to get him out of it, but it was at least trying to get him down to second degree. So despite their best efforts, Nick was convicted of first degree murder and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, plus plus 25 years for armed criminal action, which is something that's unique to Missouri. Um, there's definitely firearm enhancements in New Mexico, for example, where we're both practicing. But uh, 25 years is pretty harsh. And that's a long so time. I guess... It's a really long time. So in addition to the life sentence that he already has, he has 25 years for this armed criminal action, which is only for carrying a weapon. Like it doesn't have to be a gun. It could be anything. So any time, like I, this is probably the most shocking thing to me was that he, you know, he would have been charged, like charged with this armed criminal act for anything that he did like to commit the murder. So it's, it, there's like maybe potentially a double jeopardy issue there. But again, I don't do Missouri law. I assume this may have been litigated already, but maybe not. Anyway, but that is interesting because what if he mm -hmm. used something that's not commonly used for murder or as a weapon? So like maybe he right. grabbed a lamp and used a right. lamp to yeah, bludgeon I don't, her. I don't Does know. that count as a weapon? Yeah. Missouri lawyers, write in. <laughs> Tell us. Yeah, let us know. And also, I've got yeah. a quick question about yeah. Nicholas's case. So mm -hmm. they talked about the autism and his incompetency in terms of his low IQ. But that was to reduce the charges, not the sentence, because I thought 
that the only way they were able to remove the death penalty, at least in his case, was with all that evidence of his incompetency and his autism. So I thought that I, I just thought it was interesting, I guess, that they were using it for a reduced charge as opposed to um, a reduced punishment. Does it's actually for both. And that's actually like a really okay. good question. So, you know, it, it's, it has to do with what your intent is and whether you have the capacity to commit this crime, the first degree, if you, if you have the capacity to deliberate to the degree that you would be convicted of first degree murder. That's why it would come in in that capacity. It also comes in for sentencing. And we use this pretty often. I think it's pretty universal where you would use the idea that someone doesn't have the same level of culpability, the same level of guilt, because they are operating at a much lower IQ level. So sometimes that's successful. Sometimes it's not. It really depends on the judge. And that's why the whole criminal justice system is fucked. So anyway. <laughs> right? Arbitrary <laughs> as hell. Yep, sure is. So anyway, and one of the other things I learned about Missouri and this whole armed criminal action, which like just had me going for a minute. Um, there's so there's different like habitual offender type of statutes as well. And so if it's your first one, you get three to 15 years, minimum of three maximum of 15 years for your first armed criminal action and five to 30 for the second. So it seems to me like getting 25 years would mean that he would have had to have committed some armed criminal action prior to this. But the only other criminal charge that I could come up with in looking through this was that he was watching porn at a McDonald's for nine hours, which I mean, if you count a dick as a, a weapon, maybe, but like, I just don't, I just don't see it. So anyway, I, I feel bad well, for that. What's wrong with watching porn at McDonald's for nine hours? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, as long as he's not hurting anybody, like, uh, I don't know the, the whole situation with that. Maybe he was showing people. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that's so although you would think that then it would be like indecent exposure or something. It was indecent exposure, I think. Like, I think that oh. he had some kind of, like, lewd con conduct type of charge. I didn't get a whole okay. lot of information about it. This is all, like, news stories. But that I was, feel like, better the about this now. for it. Yeah. But I feel knows? better with I this mean, crime like, now because at first I thought the crime was just how many hours he was watching the porn. I don't – I really don't know. I don't know the details of it. I don't know if he had his penis out. But regardless, there was no weapon that I could – C or whatever. Anyway, so where are they now? Uh, Gypsy version. So this is the entire reason that we are talking about this. Gypsy was released on December 28th of this year. And that was due to a parole hearing her first that she had. So what's parole? It's a component of sentencing. You can be paroled out while you are incarcerated, meaning that you can get good time as, you know, associated with your charge and be released early and then placed on parole. And if you fuck up, you go straight back to jail for the rest of your sentence. Um, it's different than probation. Probation is like after you're released and then you have a period of probation that if you fuck up, you get the remainder of the term of whatever suspended time that you might have or whatever your probation term might be. So that's what that is. 
Gypsy started her prison confessions while she was in prison and lifetime release that. And that's, that's why we're talking about this. So um, one thing about Gypsy, I'm, I'm almost done, I swear, but uh, she has been engaged three times and she has had a man who would literally and did literally kill for her. So slay queen. <laughs> so she is now happily married and in counseling and she's looking to advocate for other people who are victims of Munchausen by proxy. So, and she currently has a social media account, uh, which by my count has 9.9 million followers on TikTok and 8.3 million followers on Instagram. Meanwhile, I think I have 300. <laughs> I was like 63. Yes, exactly. So anyway, that's a, that's the criminal case against uh, Nick Godajohn and Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Really fascinating stuff. I mean, you've got a little bit of everything going on in the criminal cases in terms of mens rea competency, like just mitigating factors, all these things that are making it such a unique case. And so we also have some unique opportunities for civil cases. As you are a criminal lawyer, I am a civil lawyer. <laughs> yeah, and by civil, I do not mean I'm nice. Well, no, I am pretty nice. I <laughs> you are cry nice. when people yell at me. Um, but oh. anyways, um, there, there's some potential for some civil cases here for Gypsy Rose. And what I'm talking about specifically are medical malpractice claims. This is claims where a doctor has screwed up either through neglect or through mistake or um, actual intent to harm and has caused damage to a person as a result. So I looked in both the states of Louisiana and Missouri because a lot of the medical malpractice took place in Louisiana before Gypsy and Dee Dee moved to Missouri. This is where her salivary glands were taken out for no freaking reason. And we don't know why, um, this is where she was treated until she was about 14, wait, yeah, about 14 years old. And there was this huge failure to report issue. So it brings up whether or not the doctors had a duty to report this sort of thing and how they would do that. I, I've got some bad news about medical malpractice claims, at least in New Mexico, and as far as I know, in pretty much all of the United States, all of the states, it is so hard to bring medical malpractice claims against doctors. Not only are they the most credible witnesses ever and juries hate punishing doctors, um, but usually states have some sort of cap on the liability you can put on doctors. Let's say you get paralyzed for life. Well, guess what? Sorry, medical malpractice is capped at $250,000. You're only going to get that much. So there's all of these like legislative barriers in place that make malpractice claims very difficult to bring on top of the kind of practical reasons why it's difficult to bring a doctor in front of a jury of 12 Peers. Um, Louisiana has a, a few measures in place to kind of 
prevent medical malpractice claims from getting out of control. And one of those is what people might know as is a statute of limitations or an expiration of the claims. And in Louisiana, they say no action for damages for injury or death against any physician, chiropractor, nurse, licensed midwife, practitioner, dentist, psychologist, optometrist, hospital or nursing home, duly licensed under the laws of this state or community blood center or tissue bank. Leave it to lawyers to list just about fucking everything you can think of. Everybody, vampires. Um, <laughs> right? Vampires. Um, but whether based upon tort or breach of contract or otherwise, arising out of patient care shall be brought unless filed within one year from the date of the alleged act, omission, or neglect, or within one year from the date of discovery. So even as to claims filed within one year from the date of such discovery, in all events, such claims shall be filed at the latest within a period of three years from the date of the alleged act, omission, or neglect. So what we have here is not only a statute of limitations, but almost a limitation on the tolling that can take place of the statute of limitations. So in civil claims, statutes of limitations can be tolled or paused for certain reasons, reasons. Usually it's because the claimant is a minor and once the, the barrier is removed, so the minor turns 18, the statute of limitations clock begins again. So whatever is preventing the person from being able to file the claim in that moment, whether it's because they cannot act in their best interest because best interest because of competency or because they're minors. Um, in Louisiana, they mentioned date of discovery. And that's a big thing in MedMal is when the injury is discovered. That is when most clocks for the statute of limitations begin. So this is a really short statute of limitations. And Unfortunately for Gypsy Rose, um, they have a second provision that says the provisions of this section shall apply to all persons, whether or not infirm or under disability of any kind, including minors and interdicts. I don't know what interdicts are. Sounds like dicks that are inner. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say that. That yeah. So le like legalese for that. Yeah, that sounds right. So, so basically Louisiana is not kind to plaintiffs of med mal cases. They don't care if you're a minor. They don't care that Gypsy Rose was kept in a perpetual state of ch ignorance and childlike um, awareness so that she was unable to discover her injury. And it doesn't matter that she discovered it later because she only had three years to figure it out. So it's just, it's, there's no room for, for mistake here. There's no room for case by case analysis. Clearly this is a case where medical malpractice should be allowed. This was a child who was being abused and the medical treatment furthered her abuse. That claim should exist um, 
longer than three years. That's absurd to me. Absolutely. Yeah. So what you're saying is that even though it's completely not her fault that she didn't know that she was being abused medically, that she doesn't have any claim anymore because the statute of limitations, meaning the time that you can bring the claim has expired because the only time that you have is really like three years from the time that it occurred. So like, even though her salivary glands were, have been out of her body for however long it is. And she didn't realize that, you know, she had an actual medical malpractice claim or she may have had one. I can't say whether or not she did. She, she can't bring any claim on that basis. Is that right? She has no claim because of the statute of limitations. It doesn't matter that it was told for the period that she was a minor and for the period that she was quote unquote infirm or unable to discover her injury. It doesn't matter. She had three years despite the inability to discover to discover. So there's nothing for her to do in Louisiana and Missouri is not a whole lot better. So in Missouri, the statute says all actions against physicians, hospitals, dentists, registered or licensed practical nurses, optometrists, podiatrists, blah, 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 or any other entity providing healthcare services and all employees of any of the foregoing acting in the course and scope of their employment for damages from malpractice, negligence, error, or mistake related to healthcare shall be brought within two years from the date of the incur of the occurrence. Yeah. Two years. So that's of the date of the actual occurrence of the act complained of, except in Missouri, there's a few exceptions. So one exception is in cases in which the act of neglect complained of is introducing and negligently permitting any foreign object to remain within the body of a living person, the action shall be brought within two years from the date of discovery or from the date on which the patient in the exercise of ordinary care should have discovered such alleged negligence, whichever date occurs first. So because there was no foreign object remaining in her body, this just doesn't reply, uh, apply to her at all. Uh, she had organs removed. She didn't have anything negligently left inside her body. So this one doesn't apply to her. Um, in cases in which the act of neglect complained of is the negligent failure to inform the patient of the results of medical tests, the action for failure to inform shall be brought within two years. This again is not really a failure to inform situation because she was a child. Who are you informing? You're informing her mother. Her mother was informed and her mother was abusing and manipulating that information. So, Finally, the third exception to Missouri's statute of limitations for MedMal is that in cases in which the person bringing the action is a minor, less than 18 years of age, such minor shall have until his or her 20th birthday to bring such, such acts, action. So it gets told, but like I said, once that disability, you know, being a minor is removed, becoming the age of majority, they have only two years to bring such claims. The whole point of statute of limitations is to encourage people not to sit on their rights and to encourage timely claims being brought. So that's why these exist. 
it just seems so short because when you look at some of those other civil claims, like for maybe some of the property law claims, they have statute of limitations of like 10 to 25 years. So it seems so little for, for this med mal down here, but for personal injuries, they do tend to be about three or four years. Is that pretty standard? Do you know? It's, I think it's pretty standard. Four years is pretty standard for um, personal injury, uh, but it can range based on state to state. So um, I, I really want to point this out as someone who used to lobby the government and I used to write lots of proposed bills and whatnot. Missouri has an unnumbered <laughs> paragraph in this statute that says, and it's pretty important, but it's completely impossible to identify it says, in no event shall any action for damages for malpractice, error, or mistake be commenced after the expiration of 10 years from the date of the act of neglect complained of or for two years from a minor's 18th birthday, whichever is later. So in this case, this is, a, this is good for Gypsy. It gives her that additional 10 years to, okay. to look into the acts of neglect in in Missouri too now, right? Yeah. I think it's beyond that. Yeah. I would think so. I know she said in one of the, so, so she, she may have passed it. Yeah. Claims, yeah. So, so I, I think it's probably too late in Missouri, but maybe she has a chance. I, I mean, not Missouri. I think it's too late for her in Louisiana, but she may have a chance for a claim in Missouri because of that 10 year tolling allowance and so she, if she can argue that it should be told for the full 10 years because of her mental state and her incapacity to act in her best interest, that could be a pretty good argument for tolling the clock for the full 10 years. I'm just concerned that those 10 years have already passed while she's been in prison, while I've, since all of this has taken place. Do you happen to know if being incarcerated counts as being incapacitated in Missouri? I don't think it does. That's a great question. But mm, in most states, yeah. they don't it toll for criminals. Right. Yeah, they, they won't toll most of the time for um, criminals who are serving sentences. However, unless it involves civil rights claims, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like federally, I, I know there's a, a whole statute on it, but we're not going to get into that. But that's uh, that's really interesting and really sad for, for Gypsy. But right. Yeah. She has no recourse against all these doctors. Like I said, there was that one neurologist when she was 14 who mentioned in his notes that he strongly believed that she was a victim of Munchausen by proxy. But there was nothing he could do there. Every time some doctor tried to hold Dee Dee accountable, she ran off. So I think the doctors would probably argue that they did try. They did mm -hmm. try everything within their power to stop her and report her. But there's a certain amount of liability cutoff for them. If she goes and seeks treatment from other doctors, it's, it's the other doctor's responsibility to notice that she's doctor shopping, not the doctor 
who she just left, if that makes sense. It does. It's just, it's so frustrating. Like our whole medical care system, our whole legal system is pretty fucked. So yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, definitely let down Gypsy in this case. So um, we, we ended in such a pleasant way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You want to end even more pleasant? You want to talk about social media? <laughs> oh, I would love to. Please tell yeah. us about the social I only want to say like literally one thing, which is that it's been really fascinating to watch like the progression. And I think that we just live in this era. No, I won't even say that. I think that human beings just in general cannot deal with the nuances that are involved in this case. And they have to see something as either good or bad. They can't see, you know, the rest of the story, which is, you know, in the, in the middle, which is where we all are really. So, you know, you've had these people who are like, Gypsy's really good and nothing that she does is ever bad. And, and that's the end of the story. And then you'd had the other side that are like, Gypsy's really bad and there's no other part of the story. And so I, you know, there's a few that I've watched and there was one in particular that I just found so cringeworthy that I have to say it. And I don't, I'm not going to say the account name, but basically she was saying, yeah, I was all on board with Gypsy and like, you know, I, I believed her, but then I talked to my fiance and I was like, oh honey, you're getting your opinions from your fiance. Like that's your number one problem. So, you know, she's claiming that Gypsy is a master manipulator. And if you just do the research, which is like the most cringeworthy statement that I can think of as an attorney, like it drives me up the wall. So is this person an attorney or have any sort of legal background? That's a very good question. No, (laughs) (laughs) she is not wearing a misfits shirt. Which listen, Okay, so I she's an armchair shirt. lawyer. Yeah, armchair detective, all of that kind of stuff. So anyway, <laughs> it just drove me up the wall. And like, and you know, I, I think social media and media in general, like really took the story and ran with it and didn't, you know, try and think about, you know, all of the in-betweens of like the different perspectives between the, the doctors, the Didi, for example, Rod, like all of these people who were involved. Nick, like Nick is the biggest one in my perspective that has just really not gotten enough press. And I think that he, you know, deserves for us to listen to him, you know, regardless of what he's done. So that's my two cents on the, on the deal. It's kind of preachy. It's, you know, it's the work that I do in criminal defense. So anyway, that's that. Do you, uh, do you have, you got anything else for us? That's it. That's it for this week. Um, All right. Next week, you're going to be out of town, out of the country. Out of the and country. And so yeah. we want you to enjoy yourself to the fullest. So I have found a guest co-host. All right. Can't wait Stay to Stay tuned it. to find out who it is. Um, actually, no, I'll tell you all. Um, it is my very dear friend, Jackson. Jackson will be joining us to discuss some pretty deranged issues up and coming in the world of artificial intelligence or AI as some, whoa, (laughs) 
Oh my god, I hate you so much right now. I'm so like, sorry. What, kind of, what just happened? Oh uh, no, but that was great. Thank you for that. The internet is coming to take us over, and the robots yes. are going to take us over. So, yeah. so tune in next week if you want to hear all about some deranged topics in AI. I will be talking with Jack while Raven is away. And in the meantime, remember to like, subscribe, follow on all the socials. Rate, review. Rate, review, Yelp, Smoke yeah, Signal. Google, Google review. Yeah, Google please. review. We'll hear yeah. you. Yeah, we'll Email hear you. Us. We'll know. We'll know. And so we just, we really appreciate your listening and your support. Thank you guys so much. So this much. has been a really fun journey. And so until next time, stay out of law school and infirmaries. Goodbye. Remember to like and subscribe to Deranged DeJure on your favorite podcast platform and follow at deranged.dejure on all the major social media. Contact us by email at deranged.dejure at gmail.com. This has been a Raven Kink production.